0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Get Above the Line podcast. This is episode number 22, and we have a super cool guest. His name is Jamie Clark. He owns Synergy Homes. He's created a really cool business, getting all the systems of your home in sync to get you better efficiency, better air quality, and to live a better life. So hang out, watch it, and uh, hopefully you find value in it. Today, Jamie's here to share his journey, the challenges he's faced, the triumphs he's celebrated, and his insights into the future of home energy. Jamie, welcome to the show. We're excited to have
1: you with us today. I love your bio. I don't know where you got all your research. I wonder if my wife wrote that for you. No, I, well, <laughs> that's pretty good stuff. It was
0: a, it was a combination. So I so I did I did some research. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I did throw it into Chat GPT after I put it all together. Oh, there you go. So
1: um, I'm a newbie on that. I'm still not utilizing the uh, AI. Every day I do. Do you really? Every yeah, day. That's awesome.
0: The main reason is that puts my thoughts. These, you yeah. know, all these random thoughts. I, I can just, I can put, you know, rewrite, and then I'll put like five different points. Yeah. And then it'll get me organized, and it's not the final text for me. It's just an outline. Yeah. And then I can go back and outline.
1: So finesse it. Yeah.
0: My wife can always spot it when I write something nice to her.
1: <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that.
0: Yeah. So you had mentioned uh, when you walked in today about your new farm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we um, spent the last year building our. I, so I built the first zero energy home in Kentucky downtown, over off of Prather Road. We were, we backed up to East Cooper. Okay. So we had a five thousand square foot house in um, Autumn uh, Ashland Park, and uh, no electorate bill, which was really cool. Wow. And it was kind of my calling card with my business. I did this for me. I can do this for you, right? And I've I've probably sold two hundred people on solar and other things because they read the article the Herald Leader did on my house, me being the first zero energy home. Yeah. So over COVID, my wife and daughters got in. That was our forever home. We were never going to move. Loved the house. I mean, it was it was perfect comfort, perfect air quality. Five minutes from my office. Five minutes from Christ the King. You know where our kids went to school at the time. It was all great. But over COVID, we were homeschooling, and my wife and daughters got into horseback riding, and got me into horseback riding. And by the end of COVID, we owned four horses, and we were boarding them. And my wife got in her head. She's like, hey, if we take the board fees and put it on top of our mortgage, we that's, can buy a farm. That's awesome. I so, like the way she thinks. Yeah. yeah. I like so, the way she thinks. So for the better part of a year, every time I come home, I, in my ear, we need a farm. We need a farm. We need a farm. Yeah. So you know, we decide we're going to list the house. We sold the house in two days, and now we're struggling to find a farm, and uh, one that we had looked at a couple of months earlier um, that we weren't ready for, that deal fell through. And um, it fell through because the house needed a lot of work. And I went out and met with the family, um, offered them a fair price, and I said, no inspections, you know, because we do all all the work. I'm not going to hire a contractor. My company can rebuild the house internally. And uh, they jumped on it, and it took about – Nine months to rebuild, but we moved in right before Thanksgiving. And when I say right before Thanksgiving, I'm putting the bolts in the dining room table while she's cutting the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so it was uh, it was that's last cool. minute, but we're in and we're super happy.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I, the reason why I know is because I I saw the post you made on Facebook, uh, hauling uh, the horse manure oh, around. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. something about it. You you if someone would have told you. I really would have said it. someone would have told you two years ago that you were gonna be I don't know if it said two years, but yeah. that you were gonna be hauling manure around and spreading it, you would
1: you would think they were crazy. Man, I tell you what, my my vision of my life, you know, twenty years ago I was very politically active and I had a goal of being a state representative of a public office and, and um you know that, that path changed. I, I got some bad taste in my mouth when 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 the Fletcher administration was in and, and a lot of my friends, you know, they, they got through through the ringer with that. I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that, you know. And uh, at the time, I was about 10 years into heating and air, and I was looking for a more professional career, you know. So I dabbled in insurance for a while and some other things. And then one day my wife was like, you know, you're really good at this heating and air thing, and if you would just embrace your passion, a couple of years from now we'll open our own business and and you can do your own thing. And it was the greatest decision ever. I mean, That's awesome. Our wives are always our, our, our best advice, right, yeah. you know. So, um, but yeah, so synergy will be ten years old this April. That's awesome, and we're we're doing super good things. Knock on wood, January we're up twenty percent year over year over last year. Wow! So um, we're we're looking at a big year this year. It's, you know,
0: like I said, I did a little bit of research before you came. You know, we've known each other probably nine years at least. Like, yeah. I mean, it was right when I, I your mu- company must have just gotten started then. But I don't know how we came across each other, but it's a couple times we've we've interacted and. You actually have done work for me too. Yeah, at, at sure. your office. own house, so, yeah. yeah, so but I was looking at uh, you know because I'm constantly marketing. That's what we started talking about when yeah. we walked in here. It's like, whoa, hold on! I didn't tell you to stop talking, but I wanted to make sure that we got it on here. But I I noticed how many companies there are, but how how competitive the marketing for those companies must be.
1: So it's funny you started talking about ChatGPT and yeah. AI. So there is a frenzy of venture capital companies, private equity, buying mom and pop heating, cooling company, heating, cooling, plumbing, electrician. Um, Every major HVAC company in central Kentucky is now owned by an out-of-state corporation. Really? If you name one, I'll probably tell you who owns them and it's not who you think it is or who it used to be. I am now the largest family-owned business in the market. And these private equity companies approach me. I mean, I, I had one day a couple of weeks ago, I had six in one day between email really? and calls. Yeah. I mean, it's a feeding that's frenzy. That's awesome, though. And, I and mean, I, that's got to be great. Yeah, to
0: well, be. I mean, it's got to feel good having six
1: different people ask you. Yeah, but this is my baby, and you're not going to buy my baby, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, some.
0: I mean, there's got to be a price somewhere there, right? Maybe one
1: day. You yeah. know, but but that not is, now. you know, I got a daughter in eighth grade, right? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you gave me $100 million tomorrow, it's not like I get to travel the world, right? Yeah, right. right so i'm having fun doing what i'm doing you're making a good living we're we're happy right um but you know i've talked to several of these groups you know i mean you want to feel them out and figure out what what their their motivation is and over and over and over they they will say the home services industry is never going to be outsourced it's never going to be replaced by ai it's sustainable and the statistic in lexington right now is there's so many systems that are beyond their life expectancy we could double the number of heating and cooling contractors in this town and not keep up with the demand in the next wow. five years. Yeah, wow. Um, but believe it or not, there's over 200 licensed HVAC contractors in town, and there's about five that are all private equity owned that do about 90 percent of the marketing. Wow. And, and some of them are spending 50 to 75 thousand dollars a month on television.
0: I was thinking about it compared to real estate and what I, you know, that some of the challenges I come across in marketing. I did notice this though. I googled. Uh, your company and for uh, solar panels, and you were number two. Yeah, on two days I said Lexington Solar, Lexington Solar Panels. You were number two behind. We'll,
1: we'll wait for the solar conversation. Yeah,
0: because yeah. there's some good stuff in that. I think.
1: Well, the interesting thing about solar is our five biggest competitors over the last several years have all gone bankrupt. Really? So there's only one company in the market that's left, and and they're a good company. We're friends and. And, and, you know, I do a lot, of, a lot of lobbying for the solar industry in Frankfurt. You know, I mean, anybody knows me, knows I'm up there a lot. And uh, my biggest competitor, when it comes time to lobby, him and I literally lock arms and walk into Frankfurt together. Oh, that's cool. Know? So yeah, um, HVAC is a very catty industry. A lot of the HVAC contractors talk smack about each other and run people down. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm very well talked about in Lexington, in that community. Yeah, In solar, we're very friendly competitors. You know, when I walk into a job and they've already got a bid, hey, it's like, hey, Understand, you know, I like them, they've got their approach. Here's how we see it differently, you know? And our approach, you know, say your house, you know, you wanted to take your house to zero energy. Um, I can do that with say 50 solar panels, but I can also do that with 50 solar panels, a new heat pump and spray foaming your, I mean, sorry, 30 solar panels, a new heat pump and spray foaming your attic. So you've got 20 fewer panels on the house, so it's more attractive. You're spending less money overall. You're getting a new heating and cooling system, which a lot of us need anyway. Right, and if you spend the money to buy the 50 solar panels, and then your heat pump dies next month, you're going to spend that money too. So that's your edge.
0: Yeah, that's sure. the edge that people can't, they can't they can't compete with. Not because yeah. they're just putting in the panels.
1: That's it. They you don't know. they
0: don't have the other elements of it.
1: So our our model is we want to make you you energy efficient but also comfortable and healthy you know we focus on air quality yeah um, my house has hospital grade air you know i mean it is Sweet. It's, yeah it's perfect Yeah, uh, so much so when we were building our house we lived in a rental property yeah and the first weekend we're in there my wife and kids are like all right you you have to invest in in some iq for the rental house yeah wow. so i spent 2 grand on the rental house putting in ultraviolet lights and other things cuz my kids they they have they're so spoiled because we've had such perfect air quality their whole lives right they were miserable in the rental they called it purgatory
0: so when you say they were miserable were they sick
1: no um you know we call it the kentucky crud right yeah you you get your drainage your eyes are dry right your your, your mouth gets dry right um you snore more if you don't have the right humidity and things like that Um, the house was on a crawl space so um, we did have more allergy issues and things um, you know, my, my whole focus when we talk about air quality is purification, right? We want to make it as pure air as possible. There are companies that like to add things like ozone and other stuff. Those are horrible things to add to your air. We don't want to do that. Um, and just like water, you don't add stuff to water to make it cleaner. You want right. to purify it. Your air is the same way. Yeah. And that's our whole approach. We want to tighten your house up as much as we can. And, and anybody knows me for longer than fifteen seconds. If you tell me a house needs to breathe, I'm going to punch you in the throat. Yeah, because that is one of the worst expressions in building science. And we've known better than that for forty years. A house does not need to breathe. People need to breathe. Right. So you got to vent the house right. You have good range vent, a good uh, bath fans, getting rid of the humidities, things like that. But the house, we want to make that as tight as we possibly can, and then we want to go about conditioning and controlling it once we do that. And I can control a lot of things. I mean. I've got a customer with a 9,000-square-foot house in Versailles. He came to me in 2015. He said, hey, I'm going to build a big house, but I want to be able to afford to live there, so I want you to design all my systems. You know, I did the lighting, the HVAC, everything, 9,000-square-feet. He's still a customer today. Nine out of 12 months a year, he averages $150 a month on an all-electric home with one heating and cooling system. Wow. Because he came to me and he said, you get to design it, right? Yeah. And so many times in new construction, and the reason we don't do hardly any new construction anymore, the HVAC is an afterthought, right? Granite countertops are important. We right. want you know eight foot tall doors and things like that. HVAC just keep it warm, keep it cold. And the problem with that is, as a guy like me that's so design focused, is I want to make it perfect. You know, I don't want to really do it right. Right. And then if you go cheap and it doesn't work, you're going to hold me accountable so you when you plan stuff like that is there like a recapture rate like you know
0: how long it's going to take before i mean you got to know what the house runs like when it's not efficient right but but the health factor is what makes it so that the money doesn't matter that's really
1: the the health factor is an intangible you know um but you know i um i went and quoted a lady the other day a new heating cooling system over off Jesslin drive and we had spray foam attic two years ago and um she called us her system went out we went out realized it was 24 years old time to get a new one she let us put in top of the line system took all my recommendations she didn't get a second estimate she didn't get a second opinion she said look we got five estimates on the spray foam you want our business we trusted you you're passionate about what you do just come in and make it right and we're there today putting in the greatest system they could offer yeah so that that's the great thing about our business model is you know a lot of the companies, especially the ones that are on private equity, right? are service technicians. I mean, one of them right now is averaging uh, is, is advertising an eight dollar and eighty eight cent tune up on your HVAC at Home Depot. Well, anybody that believes that is, is going to get taken advantage of. Right? So that's bait and switch all day long.
0: Right? They're get, doing that to get in the house. They're getting in the house, and, and, then, and then there's then, so then there's something catastrophically wrong with the exactly. system. Exactly. Right.
1: And then they're high pressure salespeople, and they want to come in. The service techs are high pressure, right? They want to come in and push, 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 and and the reason for that is. They're spending so much marketing money to get in the average home. They're spending $700. Right. The average service call is about $300. So if they don't sell you something while they're there, it's right. a loser. It's a lose. So, but the challenge with that business model, if you have one heating and cooling system, and I come in on my first visit and sell you a heating and cooling system, you're dead to me for 10 years. You're right. not going to spend any money. Right. So they have no motivation for customer service or repeat business you're dead to them. Right. With my business, we, we're so diversified. You know, I mean, our primary business is heating, cooling, solar, spray foam, uh, backup power generators. That's that's our core of what we do. Okay. So all of those things are things that you could do at your house. Right. So if I come in and take really good care of you with my service department and you decide you want a generator, well, who's the first guy you're going to call? Right. You know, you may not want solar today, but you're going to want solar sooner or later. It might be five or six years. So you are... By giving you really good customer service, you're a renewable revenue stream for my company for a decade. That's good. So you guys, the sources of your business, how much of it's repeat business? Oh, tremendous. Um, yeah. Repeat and referral makes up about 80% of ours. We, wow. We have one of the smallest marketing budgets in town for a company half my size. Wow. So we work with a, a coaching group that helps us with best practices. And when I first hired him, uh, he was looking at my PL and he goes, how are you classifying your your advertising? And I said, it's that line right there. And he goes, No, there's no way. And I said, Yeah. And he goes, I've looked at over a hundred businesses in the last couple of years of coaching. You have the smallest advertising budget of, of companies half your size. Wow. And it's because we lean into customer service. Yeah. You know, with that repeat and referral business is huge for us.
0: Yeah, that's good, man. We've. Uh, I was always like in the beginning. I was always like Turn and burn, Turn and oh, yeah. burn, Turn and burn. Yeah. Yeah. And you know and I'm and you got to feed the beast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we we tried that, trust yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. And now we've gotten just really focused. Our we have our database is over 30,000 people now. So and like That's huge. We have enough business in that database to <laughs> to you know, I yeah. mean, there's enough there and it's like it's funny as you as you contact these people and you know they remember you and you have mm-hmm. conversations with them. So it's like but that I think that's a big piece that people miss.
1: Oh, it, and in our industry, has gotten so impersonal. Yeah, and, and you know, no offense to accountants, but when accountants run home service business like an accountant and and not like a human, and not like right. a, we, I tell my people all the time, my staff, we are a customer service industry. Right. You know, whether you're an electrician, an HVAC guy, or plumber, whatever you do for me, you're doing that for the customer. But customer service is what we're doing. HVAC is how you're doing it, and that's right. got to be the focus.
0: I just think about I'm, I'm thinking about real estate. I'm thinking about like, you know, these big companies like Zillow in, you know,
1: oh, Amazon. That, Amazon's that, getting into HVAC. That's
0: like that's like what you're talking about with it's almost like what you're talking about with the uh, the big corporations buying up the little For companies sure. and they're in this business. That's what Zillow's done with, you know, customer acquisition. They buy the customers. Now they've actually become a real estate company themselves. Right but they're the one thing that Zillow is really good at is taking care of custom, the customers like the reason why now they've they've changed over to this model where they charge referral fees so they're an actual real estate company and they're charging 38% uh they wow. have, to some of, that's one of the ways that they pass these people off and the reason why they did it is because real estate agents were paying $1500 for a lead and weren't taking care of the customers yeah. you know with all the surveys they're doing and all the all the things are doing. That's one thing Silos really good at is, like, that, uh, the communication with the people. And I feel like um, real estate agents push themselves out of the business. And they do. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a billion-dollar kind of you know They're worth oh, a for ton sure. of money. It, just see it happen in more and more more of these pieces of the real estate industry getting taken away um, by companies that want the data. You yeah, know,
1: it's all about data. And
0: that's the same thing. Um you know, if it's an industry that that they, yeah, I was somebody told me one time, and it was like, I that the the real thing is like the company getting the data on every, all the appliances, like yep.
1: the home warranty oh, companies and the and all of our. We just built a new house, right? All of our appliances are Wi-Fi. My dishwasher is Wi-Fi. My right. microwave. Why do I need Wi-Fi on my microwave? Right? So yeah. they know how old it is
0: yeah. and when you're going to be ready to
1: buy a new one. Yeah, right. Absolutely, right. Yeah.
0: So. uh That's always been really interesting to me. You know, like you said, the data on how many HVAC systems need to be replaced Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. You know.
1: This cold snap, I mean, oh, we, our phones went nuts because a lot of people, especially over COVID, people didn't want you in their house. So they were kind of kicking the can down the road. Let's band-aid it for a couple of years. And, you know, then interest rates went up. People don't want to pull money. You know, so a lot of people are emotional about how they buy, and, and you know, your heating cooling is a big purchase. It's a it's a fifteen year investment. Right. So a lot of people are sitting on twenty twenty five year old equipment now yeah. that should have been replaced five seven eight years ago, and when you have a really long really cold yeah. it, gets under pressure. Summers worse than winter because um furnaces are going to last longer than air conditioners. Just like your dryer lasts longer than your washer. The washer has a lot more parts to it. Yeah. Your air conditioner has a lot more parts. So air conditioners are. 12, 13, 15, if you have a really nice one. Furnaces, you know, I've, I've got a furnace in Frankfurt that's 55 years old that, that we, we, there's no reason to condemn it. You yeah. know, I mean, it's not efficient. It's not yeah. great, but it's working, you know, like a 55 Chevy. We had two,
0: we have two cabins that are like identical right next door to each other down at Lake Cumberland. One of them that the heat had, was having trouble keeping up. And we've owned this cabin for probably three years now. And every time it gets cold, it has trouble keeping up. Yeah. So I went down there this time because you know it's cold. It was cold. I mean, it was. I went solo, and you know, and it was like a camping trip almost. Because the <laughs> only one room in the house is warm. Uh, but I figured out that the white uh, thing was it plugged in all the way.
1: Oh yeah, the the wiring on the thermostat. So the,
0: the heat was the regular heat was working, but the but emergency the heat wasn't working. Heat out yeah,
1: the auxiliary heat. Out. Oh, and let's let's put that comment out there for your listeners right now. I get this question every time it gets cold. Should we switch our heat pump to straight emergency heat? And I'm like, well, if if you want Ku to write you a thank you card because of all the money you're going to spend with them, that's right. a great idea. Other than that, that's very foolish. And it's funny, I see other HVAC companies telling people on Facebook to do that, and I'm like, that's just really bad advice. The systems are smart enough to go back and forth as needed. If they're if they're proper systems, they're working right. right. You know, right? If they're broken. That's a different story. But if it's under normal operation, never force it. You know, that's that's right. foolish.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would. I, you know, stuff like that. I, I say myself, but it was my bad installation of the thermostat. The oh, you installed lift. it yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I installed it. So the three years that we've been there, it hasn't worked
1: right. I tell you what, the Nest thermostat is a great example of that. Nest came out hot and heavy. They're owned by Google. It's all about data, right? Yeah. This really attractive black thermostat that everybody had to have. have all these gadgets, I've made more money taking out Nest thermostats and putting new ones in. Yes, than I ever would have made selling Nest thermostats. Right? It's it's a very attractive, very poor-functioning thermostat, you know?
0: Well, and they're designed to be efficient, which that that works against you sometimes e- when you want to be comfortable. Exactly, <laughs> like
1: exactly. That's we what I've to, learned
0: is to turn the learning off. But having it, you know, since we're not there, that's the functionality that we want out of it is right. being able to control Wi-Fi. it. That's yeah. it.
1: Well, in every thermostat today's Wi-Fi. You oh, know, yeah. You almost, you almost can't find one that's not. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's interesting. So, solar.
0: I... You know, if I, you know, in the sales groups that I'm in, you know, that's, that's the talk, you know, everybody wants to sell solar, right? Yeah. Um, I had a cousin in Detroit. He had, there was a situation where they told him, and I think part of that, I don't know what kind of regulation they have now. And this is five yep. years ago. But they told him that it was going to pay for itself. Right. And he got it. And then the company went out of business or something, you know, like, yeah, right? Just that, as quick, as yeah. soon as he spent whatever he spent on it. Oh, yeah and put him in a really b- bad position. He had shared the story on Facebook of the company, and you know they had this channel, the news investigation. So I think solar gets some bad press from stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely can. Um, the, the challenge that the solar industry had in the last couple of years was there were companies that got really big and really aggressive at selling solar. A lot of them were door-to-door. They were, right. they were hiring door knockers and um, never buy anything door-to-door. Nothing good comes from door-to-door salespeople. Um, but um, when interest rates were super cheap, they would say, well, Bob, your electric bill is $200 a month. If I can put you in a 25-year loan on these solar panels right. at $150 a month, you're going to save $50 a month immediately. And then every time the electric rate goes up, you save more and more. And that logic is there. I mean, absolutely, it, it's there. Um The problem is that's a 25-year return on investment. I mean, you start seeing positive cash flow, but you're taking a 25-year loan out. Right. When interest rates were at 2%, you could make that math work. You know, today, unsecured loans are about 8%. The math doesn't work. You know, I mean, I can sell you the solar panels to do it, but it's not going to be cheaper than your electric bill anymore. So the companies that really grew overnight with this business model imploded and, um there's several of them that are actually under criminal investigation with the attorney general's office right now. Right. So, and because
0: they made it, it was like too good to be true type exactly, of thing. Like, exactly. here, sign this and you're going to get, so you, you know.
1: The fallout from that for us has actually been uh, good. It's been fruitful. Um, yeah. The lenders that were partnering with those companies that were actually respectable lenders, um, the attorney general has gone to them and said, hey, if those systems weren't put in 100% to code, if they haven't passed inspection, if they're not functioning, you can't collect on the loan until they mm-hmm. are. So they're coming to me because we're one of the oldest and most reputable companies in the market, and they're paying me to go behind these defunct companies and fix the systems. Yeah. So, you know. Because
0: his was, that was the deal. The parts weren't right yeah. or something yeah. wasn't right with the system that got installed. Yep. And it wasn't functioning at all.
1: That's it. And yeah. I don't,
0: I haven't asked him recently what happened with it, but. Now,
1: we've had a couple of employees. That's been their focus for like the last 90 days is running around fixing solar that other companies fix. I mean, it's keeping guys busy on my staff.
0: My old office location, there's a solar company going in there. Oh, really? Yeah, you yeah. know, like I Google stuff all the time, but I Google my old address because I was trying to sell that building. I didn't own the building; I was leasing it because I had somebody that wanted to buy it. So I always check in on the lease and check in on the, you know, what's going on with it. But there's a there's an announcement. It's some company out of California, but oh, I wow. still haven't seen a sign out there. And this has been almost a year now. Not well, yeah. oh, about six eight months. Yeah, um, but nice. I haven't seen anything. There's no movement. I don't see they painted the building.
1: But they didn't put a sign up, and there's nothing in it. You know, when I would go in a competitive situation with companies like that, I would I would tell the owner or the homeowner that I'm dealing with, I'm like, you know, my office is on Winchester Road on corner of Winchester, Delaware. You right. Know, it's covered in solar panels. You can't miss it. we got a free EV charging station in the parking lot. We're members of the community. My right. staff live and work here. You can come in, and if something's not right, you can speak to me. Right. right. If you're doing business with a company that's based in Michigan from a door-to-door salesperson. Right. Anything goes wrong and there's zero accountability. Right. You know, and a lot of them are subcontracting out either the electrical or the labor or the other things. I'm a master electrician. I'm a master HVAC contractor. All my employees do all of our work. We don't sub anything out. Yeah. So if there's anything, ever anything wrong, we're the only person you hold accountable and we're right here. Right. So what is, so
0: when I was Googling you earlier, I was really impressed with the fact that, you know, that you were like, number two, under the city. And then the city had some program.
1: Yeah, there's a, um, and and it's something I'm not fond of. There's a program uh, called Solarize Lexington. And um, basically the city got together and and put a million dollar grant out there. And they said that they would subsidize folks going solar. And they went to all the solar contractors in the market and they gave us a reverse bid, reverse auction and said, how cheap will you do solar? And I'm like, I'm not going to participate in that because I don't do cheap work. Right. right. I mean, we do value work. We do quality work. Right. But in order to win those contracts, you're selling, you know, Chinese solar panels and third-party parts that aren't going to last. I want to sell a really nice system that's going to last 25, 30 years. And it, to be competitive in those, those low-bid situations. So we don't do government projects. You know, I did the Louisville Zoo. I did the Catholic Action Center. Right. We, we, we do some commercial work. But I want somebody who wants quality, not cheap. That was just interesting to me. I, I, I went down that
0: rabbit hole and I started
1: looking. I oh. noticed
0: you weren't on the list of providers on their list.
1: We we are, but you but
0: your, I mean your Google, your organic Google space was right next to it. So we, I thought that was really cool.
1: We are page one organic Google on about twenty separate search terms that are available wow. to my business.
0: Who yeah. do you have someone that does that for you?
1: I I'm, I've got a third party company, but I monitor that and I I have lived that for the last ten years. Yeah, you know, that's something that's very important to us. Just yeah. like. You know, we've got more five-star Google reviews than almost anybody. Um, when we yeah, you have
0: uh, four hundred and
1: yeah. So when we 59. bought when we bought Sorg um, in Frankfurt, you know, they're an eighty-three-year-old company. They had nine Google reviews and a four-star rating. Yeah. Um, and that was basically April of last year. They now have one hundred and twenty reviews and a five-star rating. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. So, so our guys, you know, they go in homes and they perform five-star service. Yeah. You know? And and that's the thing, you know. Um, I had a really cool moment in my staff this week. We interviewed uh, interviewed, and ended up hiring a new field employee. You Do found, you found the person? Uh, no, another position. Oh, okay. um, j- this is a field position, but it's a, a journeyman installer, which is, is a very valuable member of our team. And uh, he showed up to the interview about 15 minutes early. I was on a conference call, so he had to wait in the front office for about 15 minutes. And he comes in and sits down and... A lot of times, when you're interviewing a new par- new uh, employee, it's almost like a blind date. So he had to wait in my front office for about 15 minutes before I brought him back in. And I brought him back into my office. And um, you know, journeyman installers, they're they're um, they're worth their weight in gold. You know, I mean, yeah, you, you have a imagine. licensed guy. Um, and, and good quality guys that are doing quality work, they're hard to find. Right. So it's a bit of a blind date when you're interviewing these people because you don't want bad ones, because you know, we've got a really strong culture at my company and, and I don't I don't invite poison into that. Yeah. So uh, he comes in and sits down and I said, Well, you know, what what do you know about synergy? And he goes, I know I want to work here. And I said, Really? And he goes, Well, I didn't know I wanted to work here 15 minutes ago. And I said, Really? And he said, Yeah, he said, I'm sitting up in the front office for 15 minutes. I had three separate people offer me a bottle of water. And the two guys in that office that are on the phones with different people in the field, I counted five times that somebody in that office said, hey, man, I appreciate you. And he said, you guys are the frickin' um, Chick-fil-A of HVAC, and I want to work awesome. here. That's awesome. And I, and I hired him on the spot.
0: Yeah, you know? that's a, that, he's a good salesman too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that, that's really cool. That's really cool. I've been really focused on Google reviews we have nine hundred and nine.
1: That's awesome. That that's and, and and that's you have so many more customer touches. You and know, that, I'll that's, tell that's you because
0: we Google local services. That's been our best business that we've gotten. That's the so, best.
1: it's so saturated in my industry. Yeah, that's, what, that's one of the things yeah.
0: I noticed. I have my budget set at two thousand dollars a week, but it only spends about two hundred. So, right. and I have more Google reviews than anybody in the state. So, yeah. like. Like I'm constantly trying to figure out how to optimize that Google. Well, they page. always change it. The LSA y- yeah. is the
1: most. Um, it's the biggest moving target in the world of internet advertising.
0: It's been amazing for us, though. I mean, yeah. that was our number one source last year, and uh, the people coming through it have been really good. But with the reviews, they're they're such a big part of it, and I've taken on a different philosophy for reviews than transactional. So, part of what I do is with the people that work here and with myself is I say to you, Jamie, well, I have an actual template that I would text you and it says, Jamie, look, uh, we're having a contest with each other and we just want to see who can get the most five-star Google reviews for mm-hmm. our company. It doesn't have to be about a transaction. It could be about our relationship, my social media presence, an interaction mm-hmm. we've had in some other field. Yep. And that might be cheating, but at the same time it isn't because it really is an ego booster for the for the people that yeah. work here because now they've got friends and family that will actually do something and say something nice about them. Right. And it's like, if you make it super easy for people and you, cause I think a lot of people get caught up right in reviews. They, they're worried that they're not going to say the right thing for sure. So then they take this time to stop and think about it. And then something comes up and then they just forget about it. And it's not that they don't want to do it. It's maybe they overthought it. So like given people that template, has been really helpful for us. But uh, well, in this
1: day and age, people don't want to pick up the phone and order a pizza, right? I right. mean, they, they definitely don't want to put their their written word out on the internet, you know, right. so you are asking for people to do. And then we still have older clientele. You know, I, I definitely, when we bought Sorg, they, they've they got a client base that they've had maintenance agreements customers since the seventies. I mean, it's, it's wow. crazy. Um, but um, in Lexington, we never had this issue, but in, in uh, Frankfurt, you know, one in three customers doesn't have an email account. Wow. And it's like, oh, my God, it's 2024, and you yeah. don't have email. You know, I mean, how do yeah. you get pictures of your grandkids, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, you'd call it cheating. You know, I, um, I'm i swimming in a, a room full of sharks, right? I've got yeah. these venture capital companies that are spending tens of thousands of dollars on marketing, and they've got internal marketing departments, and they're driving a thousand Google reviews. So when I say I've got 400, I'm proud of that, right? Yeah. For my 400... If you go and look at 390 of them, they mention in a staff member of name. Yeah, you know, right. Like oh, they're they're, yeah. they're they're legit, non-cheating, non, yeah. uh, you know, that's we gave quality service enough for somebody to go out I and do I didn't dig into the
0: ones cuz I did notice those they had thousands, thousands of reviews those other yeah. companies did. And, you know, I just know like that's me riding the line, but at the same time, these are people that work here. Yeah, for and sure. And it's about their character.
1: Absolutely. And if it's reviewing no. yeah. the character of someone that works well, here. Well, and those companies are using bots, right? Right. I mean, they're I mean, they're using AI to get you reviews. Yeah, And yeah. you, you got to finish. What's the line of diminishing return on a, a homeowner that's, you know, looking for a new company? Say you just moved to town and you're picking a new HVAC company. If I got 400 and they've got 4,000 and we've been, you know, in business the same amount of time, I mean, is that a weighted, you know? I mean, at, at what point is how, – how many is enough? I- I don't know. I don't
0: know. That's a great question, though. And I do think I heard that somebody said to me that four-star reviews are
1: better than five-star reviews. But I've always been told that a five-star rating looks fake and that you want a a 4.8, 4.9. Ours
0: is is five-star. But here's the deal people immediately go to put click on lowest. They oh, yeah. immediately go to the lowest. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the business owner's response to the lowest yes. that really drives my attention. Like if somebody says, oh, you're a jerk and you didn't do what we told you to do, yeah. if that's the, what the business's response,
1: they're out. It doesn't matter how many reviews they have. So I, I recently had this experience, and um, this is almost inappropriate to talk about on a podcast, but... I had a review, and, and the guy's name popped up, and it was like, that name rings a bell. So I Google him, and he gave us a one-star review because we went out to fix something, and we gave him a quote for it, and he thought the quote was unreasonable. It was a $250 repair something like that. you know. Um, so well, let me let me segue into something different, and I'll finish that story. So do you know what the average cost of a woman's haircut and color is in Lexington right now? No, I don't. So I got a friend of mine who owns one of the nicer salons in town, and he's all about data, too it's $165. Okay. That's the average cost, right? Okay. So you're going to a salon, you're paying a licensed professional, someone that you trust to take care of your hair. I mean, that's very important. My wife, I mean, she's 20 years loyal to the girl that she uses. My whole family right. goes to her, right? So people are super loyal, but you know, you're paying $165 probably four or five times a year for that. You know, I am servicing your heating and cooling. I'm sending a fifty thousand dollars truck with twenty thousand dollars worth of tools and parts on it, right. with an employee making thirty plus dollars an hour, to your home to service you. And as an industry, we've conditioned you that a fifty nine dollar tune up is a real thing. Right? Yeah. Well, it isn't. Right. You know, there's no way that that math works. Right. So if you can spend one hundred and sixty five dollars on a haircut. Well, you could go to the barber college for 10 bucks, you know, or yeah. you can pay a professional. Right. So that that's kind of my mantra is we're very fairly priced, but we're professional. And yeah. the eight dollar and eighty-eight cent tune-up at Home Depot is somebody coming to take advantage of you. Right. I'm providing a fair price and a fair value. So that's usually how I address people when you know we get a complaint, because we get them occasionally. Right. So I I Google this guy's name who left a one-star review for us. And the first thing that pops up is the dude is a convicted sex offender. Oh. And I'm like. The 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 child brain in me is like, well, we don't give good service to convicted sex offenders, right. but I didn't do it, you know, I right. didn't do it. I, I I I actually even called somebody, and I'm like, I'm thinking of doing this, and they're like, no, you can't do that. The best thing like,
0: to do is wait, 24 uh, hours at least. I know, I know, I know.
1: <laughs> but it, it was just one of those that it's like, and you know, I got two daughters, so that's that's like to me, those people should be put under the jail, right? right? You know, I've got a very strong opinion on that. But anyway, you know, I mean, you're always thinking of how to probably respond to a bad review yeah. and, and you got to be careful on, on how you do it. Cause like you said, the response is really
0: important. The review. response is the most important thing. It's the yeah. bad review is people know that you're human. Yes. Like people know, people accept a mistake if you take responsibility for it. For sure. Because no matter what I, this is what I believe. I, I'm i really big on point and thumbs. Like yeah. I. there's not many things. Well, there's it's really hard to find something that I don't take responsibility for. Like from people answering my phone calls to anything. I, I'm like, well, they don't answer my phone call. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so when it comes to reviews, I think that that that's key. Did you click, did he have any other reviews? I love that button too. I, you where know, there's, I didn't think you, to do that. It's right by where the review yeah. is. That you click on it. says the 23 reviews, you click on that. It's really interesting because I could have a horrible experience and I won't write a bad review. Right. Unless it's, it's unless somebody like was disrespectful or someone was just totally out of whack. And I'm, I want to deter business. Yeah. If it's something where, uh, you know, I got bad service at a restaurant or if, if it was like, if it's not the business owner, like I'm not going to write it. If it's not the sales manager, yeah. if it's not the person that's in charge, but they're still in charge. So the people yeah. that work there, like you said, we are in a customer service business and this well, is what we do, ch- right? The
1: challenge when you get, You know, like, so when I, I, if I go to look at another company, I'm looking at their Google reviews, want to spend money with them. I will look at the one-star reviews, but you know, I'm a logical person and I read the review and about 75% of the time, the one-star review, you can tell that that person was the problem, right? Right. And, and I can say without, with pure certainty, if I've got a one-star review, that person was the problem, right? right? Uh, So when I read that, I, you know, I usually don't even put any value in that review at all. I'm like, you know, um, I was at a customer service seminar, a marketing seminar in 2018 and the guy speaking was talking about Google reviews, and he said, Aim for 97% customer satisfaction. Yeah. And I raised my hand, I said, How about why not a hundred percent? He goes, Because three percent of the world is crazy. Yeah. And you're never going, he's don't engage with crazy, just let it go. And if you can't work with crazy people, yeah. it's I think it's a higher percentage. Post COVID. Post-COVID, it's a higher percentage. Right. right.
0: I always find that um that piece of it though, especially you know, it's probably the same for you, is the crazy comes out when expectations aren't met. Right. You know, like people can be completely nuts. And as long as their expectations are met, the nuts doesn't come out.
1: Yeah, I can say but that. But the yeah.
0: moment when something goes off, or they, they think that something isn't the way it's supposed to be, that's when the crazy comes out, Yeah. right? So
1: you if know. you can't
0: work with crazy people, who are you going to work with?
1: <laughs> one, like? one of my worst experiences as an HVAC contractor, worst experience providing service to somebody. Like, we failed. Um, before I opened Synergy, I was at climate control, and I was there for a couple of years and uh, we did a uh, we converted somebody from a gas system to a geothermal system. It was a great project and it was a, it was a big house, I mean like ten thousand square foot house. And the homeowners were super nice to deal with. and like right after we changed it out, the air conditioner that we worked on in the attic, it leaked and dropped their ceiling. Oh, jeez. So we send a crew out. they make an adjustment. we fix it. they fix the drywall. Three days later, we dropped the ceiling again. Mm. I go out, Mr. homeowner is actually an engineer by trade, and me, him and a service tech get up in the attic and we go over everything with a fine tooth comb, find a couple problems, fix it. 3 days later we drop the ceiling again. <laughs> oh no. Ultimately, we dropped that ceiling 5 times in that house. Wow. We fixed it every time. It was most 99% of it was the pre-existing things that just because we were the last one to touch it, it became our problem. Yeah. You know, but we we were the last one to touch it. We should have caught it. And uh, we fixed their ceiling, fixed their floor. So um, that was 13 years ago. We are in their house today doing service. They've been loyal customers to Jamie Clark, not not the company I was at, but to me, because I was out there five times personally taking responsibility, fixing it. Makes a big difference. Well, and Mr. Homeowner, the engineer... He was with us on time three, and it still failed two more times. Yeah. So he's putting his face in his hands. He's like, "God, we're just cursed," you know. So yeah. they're very good, rational people, but they've been. Lovely it's amazing clients. when yeah. things go wrong. And we put solar panels on the Right. House. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, when you take responsibility, that's that's a big deal, man. Oh, In geez. business,
1: it, when you're in business, small fires you run to them, or they become big fires. Right. You know, you've you've got to run to it. Right. And right. if you do more fire prevention than firefighting, your life's a whole lot happier.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of that from the restaurant business. I grew up in a restaurant, so I spent a lot of time trying to avoid problems yeah. as opposed to For fixing sure. problems.
1: That culture of your staff is is huge on yeah. that. You know, um, I grew really fast as a business, and uh, because you know, I I've been in the industry a long time. By the time I opened Synergy, so I had a bit of a client base following, so to speak. And um, you know we, we we had a couple builder relationships, and we just exploded. You know, my first year in business, I did three million dollars, and that's insane for an HVAC contractor. Wow. Yeah, and it almost crushed me. It really yeah. did. And you got to a point right before COVID that we were doing so much new construction, and and you know the builders are slow pay, and they're difficult, and you got to manage a lot of manpower and things, and it got just just overwhelming. Um, and I realized I wasn't running the business I wanted to run. Right. And I completely eliminated new construction and just focused on homeowners and and air quality and doing what we do. And I was worried because we were doing over a million dollars a year in new construction. And I fired that portion of my business. So, you know, you're a three-plus million-dollar company and you fire 30% of your business. Well, what's next year going to look like? Well, we grew from a $3 million to a $4.5 million yeah. business while firing a, a million dollars yeah. business. business yeah. because we grew in what we did right, you right. know, what we did. And it allowed us to focus on ha- having better employees and better culture. And, I mean, it was life-changing for I me. I
0: worked with a builder for about six months.
1: Yeah. I
0: believe that I'm valuable, like, yeah. like, in a way that most people aren't. Like, you know, like, I'm the person that's going to make it happen. For sure. Right? With builders, the, what I've come across is, like, you know, especially volume builders is like the more that they do, the less yep. they want to pay. Right, for sure. And the more they think it's there that you don't have any value in yeah. the situation. It's like you're just checking a box. You and know, that's how it. That's how it always came across for me. And that's how my relationships and, have been. And, and I'm definitely not, to not say that they're
1: all like that. I'm not running down that industry by any means. No, no, no no, 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 no. I've got some really great friends that right. are builders and and some mentors. And my landlord is a builder that's been a mentor of mine for a right. decade. That I, I I love him. You know, he's right. he's, he's a part of my life. Um, but that's not a good fit for my business model, you know, (sighs) I mean, we, we do really high quality, high customer service work and, and that's more of commodity driven and, and that's not the world I want to be in. Right.
0: What what percentage of people have solar panels right now? In
1: Kentucky, it's less than 1%. Um, we are bottom fifth in the nation, you know, there's only a couple of states below us, Mississippi, West Virginia, you know, um, poor states and cold states basically, um legislatively it's been a challenge you know we've, we've had to do a lot to fight for solar in the legislature um, the utility companies are um, very aggressive at trying to limit solar you know it's funny they're not opposed to solar they're building solar fields right yeah, right they're opposed to you being energy independent right you know? um and and you know the grid in kentucky's in bad shape you know we've had more power outages in the last 12 months than we've had in the last three years combined yeah you know and um, it's not getting any better. I mean, that's why our, our backup generator sales have gone through the roof. I mean, yeah. you go back five or six years ago, I'm putting in one generator a week. Yeah. We're putting in five a week right now. You know, And we've got a, a month-long waiting list to get to people.
0: I had one at the first house I lived in in Lexington, and it never went. never We never lost power. Yeah. The, the whole time I lived there, I'm just use. waiting for yeah. the power to go out. Please go out. and It would never go out.
1: Once you live in a house with a backup power generator, you'll never have another house without one. Yeah. Because you, you never have to worry about your pipes freezing. You never have to worry about food in the freezer that's going to spoil. No, right. Um, my youngest daughter's type 1 diabetic. We keep $1,000 worth of insulin in the fridge at all times. Yeah. You know? I need so, to get
0: one. The last time the power went out, I had one of those plugs where I could plug the generator. in. Yeah, yeah. And I don't and, have and one you know, in my And if you're house. a really
1: handy DIY guy, yeah. that, that's fine. But, you know, if you're out of town, your wife's not going to do that. Yeah. You know? So... The great thing about a backup power generator, the power goes off for less than a minute, it engages, and if we do it right, it runs the whole house. You know, you want to be conservative. You don't turn everything on at the same time, but you can live very, very comfortably. And, you know, what we're doing right now, um, Generac actually has an 18-month same-as-cash promotion. So 18 months same same-as-cash, we put the generator in, you have it paid off in 18 months, you don't pay a penny in interest. But if you go
0: 19 months, you pay all the
1: interest. You don't ever want to go 19 months. (laughs) You you talk about growth.
0: I think uh, one of the major factors in growth is people, right?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So what do you do to find people? You said that you know, like when you have a, a technician, if they don't have a job.
1: I mean i guess if yeah, they got he,
0: relocated or something that might be an opportunity to get a good one but
1: you've always got to be recruiting and you've always got to be growing um yeah. i've got a young man that works for me right now he's 19 years old uh he made a very very good living last year i don't want to share his wage but he made a better living than than the kentucky median i can tell you that yeah um and it's because he never misses work he comes in he performs every day and and he is great at attention to detail He is going to have a long and successful career he came to me as a 17-year-old intern his senior year of high school. He was coming to school in the morning and coming in at noon every day. That's cool. Um, his little brother just came to work for me, and he's 17 years old, and he's a savant, and, yeah. and those two kids are made out of gold. And and if I can find 10 more just like them, I, I won't need 20 more employees, right? If you've right. Got 10 quality, you won't need you know, 20. No, right, for sure. Um, but growing them has been, you know, we've got a fairly young staff, and um, over the last year I've probably gotten – five people their journeyman's license you know because we've helped mentor them to get to that point mm. um you know our industry is is evolving and, and you talk about selling and things the average age of an hvac business owner in kentucky is high 60s you know a lot of these guys are aging out yeah. that's another reason for it to sell yeah i'm still in my 40s you know right. I mean, I'm, I'm a long way off from that um the average age of a master electrician is high 60s because in 2006 if you had been doing electrical work for longer than five years you were grandfathered in and became a master oh since 2006 we've only had about a thousand people become master because you have to be an electrician for eight years and you have to take the hardest test of all the trades to get your master's license i failed it the first time by one question i mean i'm a really good test taker man that made me so mad right but it is a wicked hard a five hour long test and it's wicked hard and so many people fail it so many times they don't do it yeah so you know, if you if you do the math, right, you have to be a, of an apprentice or a journeyman for eight years before you can become a master. You can be a doctor faster in Kentucky than you can be a master electrician. Yeah. So these guys are all aging out, you know. Yeah. So, um, and then me being a dual master, having my HVAC and my electrical, it's a bit of a unicorn. We don't have hardly anybody that does that. Right. So it makes Synergy unique. You know, there's a, there's a, gener- and you, you and I are about the same age, right? Yep. There's a generation kind of right behind us that goes down to, plus or minus 30 years old of of people that just weren't raised right. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you know, when, when we try to hire that, that certain group, it seems like we've had a lot of problem with them. Yeah. And it seems that now we're getting into the younger guys. Um, they're, the ones that want to work in a trade, because we spent 30 years with a guidance counselor at school saying, go to go school, to get a liberal arts yeah, right. degree, yeah. come out and make a million dollars. right?" And like we have a lot of people with $100,000 with a student loan debt, they're making $40,000 a year. Mm. Right? right? So, you know, I've got 17, 18 year old kids making better money than that because yeah. they're willing to work in the trades. And hey, you know, when it was five degrees last week and we were outside putting generators in, it kind of sucked. Right. I yeah. get it. Um, but they did it with a smile on their face, and they're hardworking. Right. Um, so these young guys, you know, we're we're starting to see the trades become more attractive to them. Yeah. Especially people that are wired that way, that don't like to sit behind a desk and, yeah. and be in class, and and that we've had really good luck. I mean, I got about five or six guys that are under twenty-five, definitely under thirty, that are almost savants at what they do. Yeah. Because they love it, you know. Yeah. And we treat them really, really well. I work with a lot
0: of young people. I wasn't looking to bring on experienced agents because I.
1: I just didn't want to deal with them, right? Well, You don't you don't want to um you don't want to fix bad habits.
0: Yeah. I mean, mean, if, <laughs> if
1: we if we start you young and we train you our way, we don't have to retrain you.
0: Then I got to the point where I was like,
1: I invest so
0: much time yeah. and so much money and so much energy into these young people, and if they don't ever sell any real estate, I I have no return yeah. on it, right? So there's a six month ramp up period. You could start working today, yeah. and you're not getting paid for six months. Yeah. So for for a minute, I stopped. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to bring any more new people on. Now I've learned to like separate like the superstars from the average oh, yeah, yeah. and the people that have a need. That's the biggest thing that I learned because I used to think I could I could teach anyone to do it. But if you if you don't have a need, yeah, you don't. What are you going to do? Like you don't. There's so many people. It's really interesting to me because. There's never been a time in my life, I don't, I mean, I remember having to do my own laundry. You know, like I had a need yep. to do my own laundry. Like, right, right. I need yeah. to do
1: just about everything there was in life. You know, I uh, I had a young man, when, when I bought SORC, there was a young man that was employed there that was was fairly new and, and a helper. And, you know, when we when we buy a company, because we bought a couple now, we buy a company, we, want, we interview each staff, and we do the SWOT analysis. What well, are your strengths and weaknesses yeah. and stuff? And we ask them that. And um, I, I, I had a young man, you know, I mean, 24 years old, still living at home. And and he he called himself a, a phrase that I won't use because it's inappropriate. But uh, then he said, I'm just really soft. And, and my mom takes care of everything. She still does my laundry, she, she still goes my loud. food. And he goes, you know, I'll never move if she doesn't make me. And, yeah. and that's my biggest weakness. Um, and we found him to be a very soft employee. And yeah. with what we do, that's not a good fit. So yeah. we ultimately ended up letting him go. Uh, but he was—he was—it was almost like a point of, of pride, you know. I don't have I to do anything; cannot, mommy does it for me. I mean, the reason why I went from
0: Bobby to Bob is because yeah. I didn't want to be a little boy. Yeah, like I didn't want to be in my parents' house. I didn't want to be—you know—I think back to that moment when I changed my name. Yeah. Right? I didn't have to change it really, but like, you know but what? when I wanted a little more authority in life, I cannot for any reason imagine saying something like that or being proud of it or being self aware of it. Well, we're business owners,
1: right? right? I mean, so we're take charge people, we're people of action, but it's funny. You went from Bobby to Bob, right? Yeah. So I'm Jamie, you yeah. know, which is a bit of an androgynous name. Right. And so when I moved to Lexington, um, right out of college in 1998, I grew up outside of Louisville and, um, I started in Louisville, moved here for a company and, and stayed cause I love Lexington. Um, I had been Jamie my whole life, my, my older siblings, I'm the youngest kid in the family by 10 years. And they made me Jamie when I was little. And for the longest time, I get teased, you know, and, and there was a girl on the street named Jamie, and her name was Jamie Marie, and people would call me Jamie, and I hated it. Yeah. you know. So I moved to Lexington, and I'm like, you know, 23 years old, I'm James. Yeah. I'm going to be James. And anybody that knows me for the first time still calls me James. And there's yeah. about 10 of them, right? Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, it immediately watered into Jamie, and it stuck. And so now, here I am in you know, late 40s and business owner, I'm like, you know, there's a value in having a name. You know, James is, is a much more common name. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people in my industry that they don't even need to use my last name, right? It's it's like Jamie in HVAC. You know that guy, right? Right. 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 You know. Well, funny enough, in Lexington, there's three guys in HVAC nicknamed Peanut. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like. Oh, I know, it, I know. Uh, is, is, it, is it Peanut at this company or Peanut at that company? Well, there's no other Jamies, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, well, no, I
0: know. But it's, Cecil, it,
1: I know Cecil. Yep, yeah. yeah peanut. Yeah, yeah. uh, but, you know, it, it took me literally 25 years to actually be proud of my name because it's not as common, you know, because, you know, James yeah. Clark is an extremely common name. There's, right. There, last time I Googled it, there's like 35 of them in Lexington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's only one Jamie, yeah. you know? So it stands out. I also
0: had to do like uh, Joe Brewster. I don't know if you know Joe Brester. Yes. A real estate agent. So I used to have an office right next door to him. And he's like, he's been through all this sales training in his life. And he's just like, I call him the professor. I haven't talked. Yeah. I need to call. I'm going to call him tomorrow. But so he would overhear me on conversations and critique me. And But one of the things he told me that the internet works this way too, but some of my things said Robert and some of them said Bob. Oh, yeah. And he, he was – He was like, and it's really important in SEO to Mm. not have a bunch of names for your company, and to everything's got to match all the way down the line. But he's like, you got to stop confusing people. Like, Mm. you got to just stick with one name. Pick what it is and stick with it. And that's what that's what's happened so far. But my last name. Oh yeah. There's only one. Well, now there's two in Zillow since my wife got her license. But I was the only one in Zillow out of millions of real estate agents that had that last name.
1: That helps you stand out for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's that's been good. So you cultivate the young people?
1: You you cultivate the culture. Yeah. And then uh, if you build it, they will come. Right. Yeah. You know, um, the guy that, that came on board the other day, he was a referral for another guy that had come on recently. Um, you know, I've got a young man that's got uh, two years with me now that is an all-star employee. Um, I was in uh, Moorhead um, looking to buy a horse from a horse trader. Uh, ended up buying the horse. I'm talking to this young kid. Who's helping show the horse and do all this other stuff? And he's a student at Moorhead University and very polite, well mannered young guy, and obviously, you know, just a good kid. Yeah. And I handed him a business card and I said, Hey, if you ever think of moving to Lexington, give me a call. I'm always looking for a good young talent. Yeah. He goes, Are you serious? And I mean, just like dead stop. And I said, Yeah, absolutely. And he goes, I'm moving to Lexington in two weeks. And I literally just got out of trade school with a two year HVAC degree. That's awesome. And he came in. I actually helped rent him a house. I paid his first month's rent to get him set up. Yeah. And he's been here two years. That kid would take a bullet for me right now. And he is a fabulous employee. Keeping your eyes
0: open for stuff like that. I hired a guy at Firehouse Subs not long ago. Yeah.
1: You know, he comes in in one of my competitors' trucks and good-looking, clean-cut, polite. I said, hey, come here. I said, uh, hey, I own Synergy. you familiar? He goes, yeah, yeah, you guys are doing good stuff. And I said, I know you're at the company that's been bought out by the private equity, and I see a lot of stuff going. I said, if you get tired of working in corporate America, give me a call. Here's my card. He called me the next day, and two weeks later, he was there. You yeah. know, So just always looking for good talent. Always it's gotta it's so important. Always got to be looking. Because it's so easy to find the bad talent. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but I think the bad talent, like I, don't, I can't
0: remember the last time I fired someone, and I can't think of one person that's left here that I would hire back. Not One.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one,
0: and that's happened yeah. through you know like that's happened through culture. Yeah, the culture the culture takes care of itself. Like yeah. and it's it's interesting. You know, some people might hang out a little too long, a little past their welcome.
1: Yeah,
0: and you're worried about getting rid of them, or re- worried about taking them out. You know, and but the moment they're gone, it's like everybody takes a big breath of air, and they're like, "Hey, we." I had that recently. You know, Yeah. You, you're so worried about letting them go, but when yeah. you realize that, when you realize. You, If they don't fit the culture, then it doesn't, they don't fit.
1: I had an extremely valuable employee that was in a leadership role that I really liked as a person. And I didn't realize how much chaos he was creating in his downline, the people under him. Yeah. And um, we rearranged his roles and he didn't like it. And, um, you know, he, he basically quit right away. The next morning, we were having a team meeting, kind of a a small office team meeting. And uh, so I I said, you know, I'm going to miss him in a lot of ways because I really liked him. But man, a lot of times he would wear me out. And in unison, two of my most valuable office staff said, he wore everybody out. And I had no idea, you know, and it's like this guy was Mr. Personality. He was extremely popular. Everybody liked him. Yeah. Um, But his his um, isms, you know, created chaos And a month after he was gone, it was like the office was too quiet. I'm like, why is everything so quiet? And it's like, because X is in here stirring up. Yeah. You know,
0: it's interesting how that
1: works in business. And, And, you know, they say one bad apple can spoil the bunch. Yeah. In business, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, you get one bad employee and it can ripple effect through the whole company.
0: I never realized how principled I was until I. Oh. Until I. Until I created a set of principles for the company like you know i didn't realize how many of them that i lived by and how that really shaped my life but until yeah. everyone understands what they are and is clear that like i don't you're not here because of your performance you're here because you know the principles are more important than the performance i think i think well, at the you, end of the
1: day you know you talk about how you're the first one to take blame right yeah right you know, and and I get so frustrated because I want my my staff to give our customers a flawless client experience. Right. But we do stupid stuff. Yeah. Right. We have a drywaller that's on on speed dial because I've got on, and on a given day I've got people in ten different attics. We're gonna step through a ceiling occasionally. You right. Know? I spend five hundred to a thousand dollars a month in drywall repair. Right? right. I mean that's just that's part of where we work. It's one of the challenges. Right. But I get so focused on that perfect customer experience. This year in building our house, I dealt with a lot of subcontractors, a lot of vendors that are in a similar customer service role, you know, garage door company, appliance company, Mason, uh, this, that, that, the other. Not one, and I mean not one, of the trades that we dealt with that that worked in my house, some of which that I knew personally, some of which might watch this podcast, not one of them gives 50% of the customer service that I give my clients. Right. And my wife and I on a regular basis were like, Dear God, how do these companies survive? You know, and and some of them, you know, well, we're going to be here between you know noon and four, and you call at three thirty looking for them. Oh, well, we're not coming today. We had two people call in sick today. Right. You know, uh, well, it's Friday afternoon, and my toilet's not working. And uh, well, we can come tomorrow, but it's a hundred dollars extra. Well, wait a second, you stood me up, and then they're going to be there Monday. First call, so we know that we'll get to you. Ten thirty, we call. Oh, they're going to be there in about an hour. Right. And, and that was an average experience. And I
0: think that I think. I see that a lot in real estate, right? And I think there's people out there, well, and I shouldn't compare it to real estate. I think about it with the trades that are artists. I mean, some of these guys oh, are sure. so good. They're so good at what they do. They're so efficient, but they don't know how to run a business. It's, yeah, It's They don't know how to run a business. And it's like, but they don't want anyone else to run their business. Mm-hmm. They want to run the business themselves. If they operated their business like you, they'd have a booming, gigantic business, but they
1: don't want one. No. Well, they don't want and, one. and a lot of people want it, but they don't know how to get there. Right. You know, I mean, the statistic in my industry, I told you, there's 200 HVAC contractors licensed in Fayette County. Well, I mean, 180 of them probably are under $2 million a year in revenue. You wow. Know, I did $3 million my first year in business 10 years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So um, only 1% of the industry ever grows beyond $5 million because you have to have process and procedure and KPIs and scoreboards in place because there's a thousand different places to lose money when you're doing this. You know, right. I mean, you know, the, the $8.88 tuna, that's a loser if you don't manage that and drive a person to go in there and upsell and do all the things that those companies do. But um one of the challenges I had with my business model is there is no um, template for Synergy Home, right? Right. I mean, we are a unique animal. I mean, there's there's companies in other states that do similar stuff to me that I've found over the years, but yeah. I'm the only guy in Kentucky that has a holistic business model that like we do. Yeah. So, you know, I can't go to a coach and say, hey, help me to get from, you know, 10 million to 12 million. You know, it's like, well, you know, there are HVAC coaches, there are electrical coaches, there, there's even spray foam coaches, but there's nobody that's talking to a home service holistic company on, hey, this is how you layer these. And our success really has cool. largely been because we are holistic and You know, we go into a house and they've got a problem with a a bad HVAC, but we recognize there's no insulation. And it's like, well, hey, if we upgrade your insulation, we can put in 20% smaller HVAC, improve your air quality, make your house warmer, save your utility bills. So so who does the sales? Um, I've got three people that outside sell. And then I still run sales appointments, but mainly referrals and, and repeat customers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm at a point to where I need to be in the office much more. Because
0: I imagine a, a skilled salesperson pe- would thrive in that environment.
1: It's a challenge. Um, I interviewed five salespeople from other HVAC um, companies last summer, and I, I offered a job to one. Ironically, I trained this guy 10 or 12 years ago, you know, yeah. so I know what he's out there and what he's capable of. Um, but um, I had a couple of guys from one of the big companies. I was flabbergasted at how bad they were at their job. Yeah. You know, just in interviewing, you could tell, you know, you... you <laughs> And this is an arrogant statement, but you're not worthy to work for my company. No, you know? right. I mean, I don't mean to be, you know, that blunt about it, but, you know, you've been with X company for five years and and you don't know any more about heating and cooling than you do. Right. We're nerds over here, man. We're yeah. experts at what we do. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's been awesome. That, I always liked how you do things because, you know, I, I remember I did a lunch and learn when you were at Keller Williams like yeah. Yeah, eight or nine years ago. And uh, I went into your office, and of course, at Keller Williams, a more modern agency in general, but your office, like walking into Google, you know, you had these clear whiteboards, and everybody was tactical, you know, and yeah. I mean, it was just a different feel. And and this office space here is very much like that, you and know. How many agents? How many agents? 12, yeah.
0: 12, Twelve. Twelve active agents. But in the morning, if you come in here uh, any day of the week at eight fifteen a.m., which you're welcome to come in, we have a we have a meeting every morning from eight thirty to nine. Um, before they were really just they were really. Um, focused on script, scripting, but now mm. we've gotten away from that. Now they're more tactical, but it's a sales meeting. For, it's uh, essentially a sales meeting for 30 minutes every day. Yeah. Um, and everybody shows up. So and the, we
1: do a production meeting every yeah, morning from yeah. thirty to 9. Yeah. We call it our whip meeting, work in progress. Yeah. You know, and what what didn't go right yesterday, what do we need to address today, what yeah. are we going to do tomorrow? Yeah. yeah. So... That 30 uh, minutes is so valuable. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. the energy, and it's the only time of day that I have everybody's attention to. Absolutely. You know, um, we do that, and then you know, uh, the morning is focused on shaking the trees, making phone yep. calls, and and connecting, um, connecting with people. And this is just the perfect space for it. Yeah. And then I can no. also do. I've been doing masterminds. That's what that room's designed for out there. That's cool. And um, it, it's just been a great place.
1: Well, but, you and know, I talked. We touched on it a couple of years ago. It would be so good to get a group group of Lexington business owners together. You yeah. know, Of like minded people that that you know that, that want to grow that want to network you know i mean so many of the networking groups you know they're, they're tough you know i mean yeah, yeah. i got kicked out of rotary cuz i couldn't go to enough rotary meetings you know right. well i joined rotary when i was 31 i got kicked out when i was 39 when i was 31 i went through the list in rotary and i was the seventh youngest guy of 365 people wow Eight years later at 39 I got kicked out and I was like the fifth youngest guy of 365 people and Rode is a wonderful organization not yeah. not but it wasn't a good place for me at that time of my life right you know and it's such a challenge and and you know BNI groups and things I feel like a lot of those are, are designed for very specific industries or people getting their start you know I mean when you're 20 30 years into your career you've got a referral network and that,
0: I, I've never been to a BNI meeting but I do know from several people that have been in them, People refer business to each other. That's what the whole idea is, right? Yep. I kind of got a hang of with that. I mean, I'm in a business where most people get their business business from referrals. But why are people referring to you?
1: Right? Why are What's they referring motivation? to you?
0: Why? Why are you referring to this real estate? Because they go to church with you, right? Because you're friends with their daughter. Yeah. Because they're are they this? the best. But they don't do it because they're the best. Yeah. They don't do it because of their track record or their experience. It's heavy. I mean. That's our biggest competition is referrals, family, friends. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. So when it comes to like a VNI group, I'm like, I don't need those artificial referrals. I mean, I'm going to go get business. I'm going to yep. go prove myself. I'm going to go shake the trees, And I'm the one that's going to put my foot in between that relationship and say, hold on a second. Just you might want to hear a second opinion here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the premise of it all together kind of gets me worked up. But as far as the mastermind thing, when you were talking about uh, all these different elements of your business, my mind... Like when I look at other people's businesses, I'm so good at like analyzing other people's business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. My business of like the way I've made it all these years is just by putting my head down and just going, right? right? Like I have a hard time keeping my focus. So I have to trick myself into focusing on the things that are gonna move the needle for the company, right? Yeah. I have to stay in that place. So sometimes that puts on blinders for the things, the other things, because if I if I leave my if I if I if I'm watching every single piece all the time. I'm going to be shooting this way and shooting that way, and I'm not going to be taking things where they need to go. Right? It, it's it's really interesting. So when you, My industry
1: is a little different than yours, right? Because yeah. a lot of times, when when somebody goes to hire a realtor, they go and they call one person, maybe two people, and they hire one of those two people. Right. It, not uncommon for us to walk into a, a competitive bid situation with five other HVAC contractors. You know, it's like eighty percent use the first. Agent that they talk to. That that does not surprise me. Eighty percent. So in our industry, eighty percent use the people that are doing their annual maintenance. That's why it's so important to build a client base of annual maintenance. Yeah. We lose money on annual maintenance. It's not a moneymaker. Right. Um, It's break even at best. Right. But the statistic is, is the more people you have maintenance when their equipment dies, they're going to come straight to you because they already trust you. Right. Right. Well, in a competitive bid situation, we'll walk into usually three, but sometimes five, sometimes six, seven. If we walk into that room and your focus is on quality and and somebody that's gonna do be an expert and do the good job, I'm gonna sell that job every single time. Because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna respect because my people are the experts in the room. Yeah. We're not sending a, somebody who was selling used cars last week to come in and look at the most important system in your house, right? right. Our guys are thorough. They're you know, we're different, you know. So we love getting in those situations. If price is your only motivation, we're gonna sell at 20% percent of the time right. you know we're, we're definitely not the price leader in the market we're a long way from that we're fair we're middle Yep. um but if you're a slumlord that wants the cheapest guy that you can probably take advantage of hey i know where their office is i can yeah. point you in their direction yeah right you know that's just not how we do business i just think it's interesting how you have the different
0: elements like the solar thing it all works together though. the solar thing and having the reputation that you have i mean that's a big deal i mean i don't i can't imagine if somebody wanted solar who else would they use
1: well, I mean, that's. Um, are they
0: going for the best price? Are they going?
1: For- very often, when we lose a solar job, it's because they decided to do nothing. You know, most of the time, if they're going to do solar, we got like an eighty percent close rate. Yeah. you know, so it's it's a viable part of our business.